and welcome to the Word of Life Church Podcast. We're delighted you've chosen to spend some time with us today. We believe that today's message has the power to inspire and elevate your faith journey. Before we dive in, we'd like to express our heartfelt thanks to our partners. Your generous contributions make it possible for us to continue spreading the gospel, serving our community, and carrying out our ministry. If today's episode moves you and you'd like to be a part of our mission, we'd invite you to become a partner. Your support has an everlasting impact and allows us to reach even more souls. Now, let's turn our hearts and our minds to the Word as we begin today's episode. Luke 4. And we're going to look at verse number 14 tonight. Um, We said that the the theme of this is it's time to emerge. Um, And just feel like that's the prophetic word for the hour and the prophetic word for the season. And we said it means a couple of things. One, to become prominent. Uh, That which was, was hidden, to step into the light. to recover fully from a difficult and or demanding season. And lastly, to break out. Amen. Why don't you just say that, just over your life. Say, it's time to emerge. Oh, you sounded so good saying it that time. You ought to say it again. Say, it's time to emerge. This time, like, don't, don't just think about it, uh, about, like, your ministry. Think about you, the real you, the hidden man, the hidden woman of the heart, your high calling. I just say that, say, it's time, it's time to, to emerge. It is. And so we were using Jesus as a case study. Because there was a time where people would have looked at him and just seen him by the flesh. They would have seen him by his gift, his talent. Apparently, he was very good at carpentry. Uh, He'd have been a good man. But there was something in him that was more than what the world was seeing. And there came a due season. There came a time for who he was in fullness to emerge. And we're looking at the pattern that the Lord led him on. And we saw that the first thing that the Lord did was take him to the river, which is symbolic of the Spirit of God. And there he left the river full of the Spirit. Um, It's interesting to me because in the, the day sessions, we've been getting full of wisdom And in the night sessions, we've been trying to to get everyone full of the Spirit. And it seems like in ministry for the past, I don't know, 10 years or so, there's been an emphasis on being full of wisdom. And I've often found in my life the the Spirit of Solomon and the Spirit of David at war. Uh, I I became a pastor uh, full-time at 19, and everyone always told me what they were praying for was wisdom. And that became a chief cry of my heart um, in reading, you know, the story of Solomon. You see, he gets down on his knees and he asked God for wisdom and it pleased the Lord. And he said, because of you, you've asked for this thing. 
I'll not only give you wisdom, but I'll give you riches, honor, and life, and victory over enemies, and all of these other types of things. And, and that became a real strong hallmark in my life. And reading became something that I gleaned towards, enjoyed. I, I naturally have a tendency and a mind to kind of gravitate towards systems and strategies. And as we identified on the first night, the jawbones. Um, I, I like not only the fresh bones, but I like digging through the pile and seeing what used to work, like that side of things. But when you look in the book of Acts, you see that the spirit of wisdom came second. The first thing that they said was search out for men and women who are filled with the spirit. That's the spirit of David. The spirit of a worshiper. The spirit that is fine in the middle of everyone to put on the ephod and to take off the garment of a king. Zeal for the Lord. Passion for the Lord. Worship for the Lord. The book of, of, of Psalms came from David. The book of Proverbs came from Solomon. And what I would ask is in, in your life, which one is coming first for you? The spirit of wisdom or just the spirit of the Lord? Um, because the spirit of wisdom is key, but if Solomon kills David, it'll never produce the right offspring. The spirit of David came first and produced the spirit of Solomon. But when the spirit of Solomon came on the earth and its heart was divided from worship and began to have an affection for other things, it did not produce David. It produced a split kingdom that could not sustain in the earth. And honestly, this is why we're seeing a generation fall, part of it, is they have grown up with wisdom, but without the spirit. And when you have the spirit of David, it's fantastic if it produces the spirit of Solomon because we need wisdom. We need jawbones to go to war with. But what we cannot do as ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus is fall over into this place where we are leaning on the things of this world more than we are relying on the spirit of God. We must be filled with the Spirit. We must love and enjoy the river. We must drink from it. We must be filled with it. We must be found in the river praying underneath an open heaven. The word of the Lord, when, when he is in the river, the Lord is speaking over his life. The word of the Lord must be rich in your life. Um, your messages ought to have a burden to them. It, it ought to have not just your voice, but his something that he is saying to his people, something he is saying to his bride, something he is saying to his church. Um, I, I heard this prophecy many years ago, but I genuinely believe we're in a season where it's coming to pass. But the prophecy went something akin to this, is that John is coming before Jesus, like within the spirit of the church. And when, when John came to the earth, he came preaching salvation in Jesus. He came preaching baptism, that one is coming after me who is, is wonderful, and he pointed towards Jesus, and that there would be a wave of churches, that that's what they did in splendor and in anointing, and they are great, and it's funny how the body of Christ like diminishes things that are working, because there was none born of women, Jesus said, that was greater than John. Um, and, and out of this, that John was coming and that there would be a wave of churches that would come with that message of salvation and the goodness of Jesus 
and the power of baptism and the power of pressing into him that he will change your life. But that before Jesus came back, uh, John's ministry and those John churches would pave the way for Jesus' churches. And Jesus would come with the fullness of the Spirit, ratifying everything that Jesus said, John said Jesus would be, but walking in the power of the Spirit. And I believe we are in that day and age right now. And honestly, pastors, I'm telling you, it's time to make the switch. And it's time to come over this place where we have our wisdom and thank God for it. Thank God for wisdom. We want the latest, greatest. We don't, we don't want to work with the brittle jawbone. But when we swing, whatever jawbone we have, we will swing it with the anointing of the Lord Jesus Because we have taken the time to be with the Lord in the river. Like he is our first love. We love his presence. We we could worship all night. The zeal of his house consumes us. Uh, That we are walking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That we are staying filled with God's spirit. and, And coming to that place where we allow the spirit of God to give birth to the spirit of wisdom. But we never esteem the spirit of wisdom more than the spirit of God. David always wins over Solomon. Amen. We said that's the first step. The second step is after he's in the river where the word of the Lord is fresh in his life, where the spirit of God is anointing him and empowering him and he is filled with the spirit. The spirit of God then leads him to confront his secret life and to pave a pattern where God works in his life in secret before he steps out in public. And, and we, we talked about how secret devotion equals public promotion. That we work on the work, but God works on the worker. And God is more interested in who you're becoming than what you're obtaining. And so in, in the, 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 the mount where, where he's walking in temptation, there is a secret life that is on display before the Lord as saying no to temptation pulling away from the threat of the enemy. And when he steps out of that secret devotion, he walks into public promotion. And I think this is one of the things that people don't understand. It's like, you know, you can, a lot of the times when like we watch ministers and ministries, you see gifts and talents and not anointing. And I I don't mean that negatively because God is the author of all gifts and talents. And there are, is phenomenal gifts and talents in the earth that are, are, are literally graced by God in the way that they are built. But it's one thing to have a vessel. It's another thing for a vessel to be full of new wine and full of new oil. And so we copy the pattern that's been set and we copy those things that have been set but we're not seeing that there is something different that is not of this world. That is the power of the spirit of God that can draw in what we need. And and we should have not just a story of, of good preaching, but we should have a story of what only God can do in our midst, in our churches, in our ministries, and in our services. And it's time for that. But it's going to be found in secret devotion. It's, it's going to be found in this place where we are laying aside weights and sins that so easily beset us and running the race that is set before us. It's going to be found in that place of surrender. And so let us be found in the secret place, Father. Let me be found in the secret place, Father. Father, let us be vessels that are fit for your use.
you know those who are yours. Let us be yours in the name of Jesus. I just hear in my heart, Moses, it is time to throw down your staff. Elisha, it is time to burn your plows. It is time to see that the power is not what is in your hand. The power is what's on your life. Father, let us be found in the secret place. In the name of Jesus. The third thing that we see is when he comes out of this secret place, the Lord has him stand up and do something. And watch what this is, because this is the third thing. Um, Luke chapter 4, and let's look here in verse number 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, and the news about him spread through all the surrounding district, and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. So these are people that are familiar with him. They have gotten so familiar with him because they've seen him uh, ever since he was a child. And we're going to get to this, but some of you who have just gotten too familiar with you, you're too aware of your weaknesses. Where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And he opened up the the, the book of the prophet Isaiah. It was handed to him. He opened up the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me. Notice how Jesus is talking about himself. Does this match how you talk about yourself? I'm so what? Fill in the blank. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say unto them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips, and they were saying, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said unto them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say unto you, no prophet is welcome in his own hometown. Now watch this in the book of Mark. They'll throw this up there. Uh, Mark chapter 6 and verse number 3. Is this not, this is the same story, but watch the, the different language here. It kind of gives us a little bit different insight. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without what? Honor, except in his own hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And he could do no miracle there. This is a big reason as to why there haven't been miracles. He could do no miracle there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Uh, Honor is bigger than we could ever possibly imagine. 
the lack of honor shut up what he could have produced in their lives. He could be more to them than he was to them. And it's not because it wasn't in him. It was just they were so familiar with him that because they were familiar, they did not honor. And because they did not honor, he was not able to produce. Now, I'll ask you this question. If a lack of honor shut down Jesus, what do you think it's doing to a husband? A wife, a son, a daughter, an employee. We are more than what we demonstrate to each other. And it's not because there's not more in us. It's that honor unlocks the capacity to receive from the thing that you are honoring. And when you honor that thing with word, and you call it what it is, you bring it out of the thing you're talking to. Um, I'll show you an example of this. We quoted it, but I want you to see the verbiage of it so you can see what I'm saying. Look at this in the book of Matthew. They'll throw it up on the screens. He who receives a prophet, now watch this, in the what? In the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man, now not just receives him, but how? In the name of a righteous man. He receives a righteous man's reward. So in the name is you're a prophet. And and when you label that, it activates something in that person to release what is in it. And it can't, it can't be fully released until it is honored. And when it is honored, it is released. He could there, Jesus, do no mighty work in his own hometown, except that he laid hands on a few sick people, and he marveled at their lack of honor. Uh, they were labeling him Jesus, the son of not of God, of Mary. Is this not Joseph's son? They are labeling him that, and as long as that is the label they have of him, that is all he can be in their lives. Do you remember when Jesus asked this question? He asked, people, he asked Peter this. He pulled him aside and he said, Peter, who do men say that I am? What did Peter say? He said, well, some said you're like Elijah, and some said you're like these other prophets. And then he said, but who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. What is Christ? The anointed one. And Jesus was pleased with Peter. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven by his spirit. Like this is amazing. Does it matter what Jesus is called? To you it does. Because Jesus will never be in your life more than you call him. Now, he could be a lot of things to a lot of people. But if you call him a good teacher, that's all he'll be to you. Question, is that all he is? Okay, I want you to think about this in context of your pastors and your employees. 
If, if you label Jesus a good man, a good teacher, is that all he is as Jesus? No. He could be what? So much more. But if that's all you label him as, that's all he'll be to you. If you label him Savior, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, you will get more out of him than just labeling him a good man. You tap in, you release something from his life into your life. When you label him Savior, you release something from his life into your life that is a divine supply that rescues you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his dear son. And listen to me, he was that all along. But he was not that to you until you called him that. And when you called him that, you opened that honor, opened something up in his life for him to be that in your life. What if you labeled him Jesus the healer? Come on, somebody. What, what if you labeled him Jesus your provider? What if, what if you labeled Jesus your victory, your champion, your mighty one who can never fail? Whatever you label him as opens up the door for you to receive more in his life. And for our, our teams, and for some of you who might not have teams, your, your, your volunteers, your sons, your daughters, your husbands, your wives. I heard John Maxwell say this. People tend to become what the most important people in their lives think they will become. People tend to become what the most important people in their lives think they will become. And it's your job as a father, it's your job as a mother, it's your job as an employer to, to take the greatness of people, to see, to see past the flesh, to see the office, to see the spirit, to see past the veil of the flesh and to see who they are in God and pull it out of them and show it to him. This is who you are. Let me tell you who you are. This is who you are. And people need this more than you could ever possibly imagine because most people are like Moses in front of a burning bush. They're not doubting God, they're doubting themselves. And they know who he is, but they have never been told who they are. And when we come in and we take our team and we honor them in that way and we tell them what they mean to us, I heard a pastor uh, come to me um, about two years ago, and he, he said uh, about his ministry in life, he said, when, when I left the ministry I was in, I went out to go start a church. He said, I, I never had what Jesus had before he, he left to start his ministry, that Jesus was named, claimed, and blessed. And you know what I've seen with, with my children, and you know what I've seen with my team they want to be named, they want to be claimed, and they want to be blessed. And when they are, it works. Jacob lived up to everything his parents named him. When Jesus wanted to change the destiny of someone, he confronted their identity. 
You have been called Jacob. No. You are Israel. For a prince of God and man, I have made you. You have been called Simon, a reed easily shaken. No. You are Peter, a rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church. You have been called Saul. They were wrong. What they called you was wrong. Let me tell you who you are. You are Paul. You are not Abram. You are actually Abraham. He confronted identity in order to reach destiny. And in your team's life, you have to confront identity. Let me tell you who you are. You are anointed. You are well-able, named. Jesus was named. Then he was claimed. You are mine. My, my beloved son, mine. And people need to know that they can rest around you. People need to know they're safe with you. People need to know they can trust in you. And then blessed, what do you need? Let me give you my spirit. My spirit will be with you. You won't walk through this place alone. My spirit will be with you. It will be on you. Whatever you need, I am here for you. Blessed. And he said like he really saw the need for that. And I'm telling you, he not only had a need for that, there is not a person in this room who does not have a need for that. And if you are over a staff and you are over a team, you've got to give that to them all the time. Let me tell you who you are. Because they will rise up to what you say and think about them. But the same is true with your pastors and your leaders. You have to come to this place where in their life, you're, you're honoring them. And you're seeing past the veil of the flesh. And you're seeing gifts and callings and talents and anointings. And you are calling that out. And this is especially true in the context of marriage. That in marriage, the the pastors that you're working with, they're not just husbands and wives. They are gifts and vessels to the body of Christ. And there is no more important person than you are in their life. And the words that you speak over them are the words that they will rise up to. And your words will either be boosters behind their back or tripping stones in front of their feet. The words that we speak in the context of marriage are everything in the lives of our spouses, especially for those who are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and out of that, we, we have to understand that if Jesus in his own hometown, why his own hometown? Because whatever we're most familiar with, we're typically the most critical of. Whatever we're most familiar with is typically the thing we're most critical of. And, and I want to encourage you, we can't get so familiar with each other that we are not calling out who they are in Jesus. Um, And that we don't lose honor for the the people in our lives that God has placed to be vessels of change, not only in our lives, but but in the community. And we we call that out and we honor that and, and we speak blessing and we speak life. But here's what I want to get at, and I'll close with this. And and Mallory can come up and we can get a little keys if we we can. Uh, but we, we know with our team, we have to honor them to get the fullness out of them. We, we know with our pastors, with our husbands, with our wives, we must honor them in order to get the fullness out of them. With our children, we must, your children will be every word you label them up with. They will, they will rise to the label you give them. 
we need to label these things correctly. But what I, what I really felt impressed tonight to end with and to just major on is the honor you have for you. The things that you are speaking over you. Because if somebody dishonors you, it's all you'll ever be to them. But if you dishonor you, that's all you'll ever be to everyone. And what I just see in in my heart is that some of you have not come to the place where you have seen all you could be in Jesus. That you have gotten so familiar with yourself that you're so aware of the mistakes that you've made and the limitations that you had or maybe the times it didn't work. You're aware of your failures. You're aware of the struggles of the past season. And it has made you see yourself in that light. And that's all you see coming out of you. And you have dishonored yourself. And when Jesus came with the spirit of the Lord on him, with, with you know, after this, in his own hometown, he wished he could have done more. But it didn't end there. He went from there and went on to mighty things. And some of you have come out of seasons where it's like, I wish I would have seen more. And I I wish it it would be more than it is right now. And and like you're looking at that and you were so excited because you came out of the river and you came out of like a season where you were being spoken to of God and so filled with the spirit. And then you go and it's like, it's going to work. And then you get there and it's like, there's no mighty works. But it doesn't mean that's who you are. Don't let their criticism become your insecurity. Don't allow your frustration to become your identity. Don't allow what what the failure of one season become your identity of who you are. Because sometimes it does take time and sometimes the environment is not right. And and sometimes it's just something in the environment that was not conducive for it. But it does not mean that is who you are. And when Jesus is beginning his ministry, you know what he's talking about? The spirit of the Lord is on me. Why? He has anointed me. That the blind are going to see. The captives are going to be set free. Things are never going to be the same because the Spirit of the Lord is on me. And everybody's looking at him and they're like, no, he's not. No, he's not. We know you. We know you. And in there he could do no mighty work, but it didn't shake his identity. And he shook the dust off of his feet from that past season and said, that will not define me. I know who I am in God. I know who I am by the power of his spirit. I know his spirit rests upon me. And he got up with confidence. He got up with a dream. And he got up with a determination to walk in the fullness of who he knew he was in God. And thank God he did. 
Thank God he did. Thank God Jesus didn't let that one moment define him. Thank God he didn't say because mighty works didn't happen then, they can't happen somewhere else. Thank God he kept going. Thank God he didn't quit. Thank God he believed in what God told him in the river. And you cannot doubt in the river what Satan is trying to take with familiarity. You've got to stand up and believe you are who God says you are. You can do what God said you can do. You can have what God said you can have. You've got to come to this place where you're recapturing dreams. One of the the things that the Lord spoke to me is like in this season is so many of you sat in a lot of these sessions and you thought of what you could do. And that was so exciting because the Lord is saying, yes, you can. But if that new jawbone only reminded you of the failure of all the old ones. And it didn't excite you to go take on another Philistine. God is trying to do something in your soul that shows you you are who you are by the power of God's Spirit. Believe in that. You've got to irrigate your imagination. I love that. That's been a statement I've been telling Zach all the time. You've got to irrigate your imagination. Abraham was told by God he was a father of many nations and it never could settle in his heart that that's who he was. And God moved in so many other areas of his life, but in that one area, it's like, God, where are you? And it's a point of frustration because who he was in the fullness of his mantle and office was not being demonstrated in the world. So much so they came to God and, and maybe some of you have been there where it's like, I thought you said... And you've given me all this, but it's all going to go to a servant and not a son. And he's, he's at this place where you can tell his language confirms his identity. And as long as that's his identity, that's all he'll ever produce. And so what does God do? He irrigates his imagination. He's like, come here, come here, come here. God's so patient. Let me remind you of what I spoke to you. But God, it's been 16 years. Come here, come here, come here. Let me remind you of what I said to you. Look up at the stars. Can you count them? No, Lord. So shall your seed be. Look down at the grains of sand. Can you count them? So shall your seed be. What's he doing? He's irrigating his imagination. He's making him recapture that dream. He's asking him to not base his identity on a decade plus of failure, but to base his identity on what God has said about who he is I don't care how long it's been or how frustrated I have been. If God said, I can be a father of many nations, that is exactly what I will be.
And against hope, he hoped. Grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And you need to irrigate your imagination. You need to go on vision retreats. You need to to go upstream to create something to manage downstream. You need to pull away from the frustration and you need to go back to the river. And you need to hear all over again what God has spoken to you and what he has told you. And you need to go to war with that. You need to speak that over your life. You need to speak that over your ministry. You need to speak that over your family. You need to, you need to pull your, your husband and wife aside and say, let me tell you who you are. You are anointed by God. You will not fail in this situation. We are not going to be stuck here. We are breaking out. It is time for our emergence. You need that. You don't need to sit there talking about what are we going to do with this? Can you believe they said that? Can you? No, come out of the muck. Rise above that and honor what God has given you. Honor what God has put in you. And when you do, it opens up the fullness of who you are in Christ Jesus. With the five loaves and the two fish, the disciples dishonored it. What is it among so many? They're looking at it and they're like, what is this among so many? And the problem with that is, in their hands, that's all it would have ever been. And some of you are looking at at where you're at in life or where you're at in ministry and you're like, but what is this among so many? What is this compared to what they have? Like, what is this compared to the need? And it's dishonoring. And you're looking at even you, and you're like, but what am I? Who am I? And you're dishonoring it. But when they put it in Jesus' hands, what did Jesus do? He lifted it up unto the Lord, and he gave thanks. He honored it, and he blessed it. And what was not enough turned in to more than enough. And I want to encourage you to take yourself and put it over in the hands of God and say, I am done dishonoring me. I am done talking about who I'm not and what I can't do and how I'm upset and how I'm undisciplined and all of these other things. I am, I am picking myself up and I am saying, the spirit of the Lord, he is on me. He has anointed my life. I am filled with wisdom. I am filled with the spirit of God. Hell is moving in front of me. God is moving behind me. Mountain, you move in Jesus' name. You come with that, I'm telling you. The jawbone takes on a different kind of anointing. The third and final step is Jesus honored himself. Let me tell you who I am. I am this in God. This is my identity. Even when my reality says it's not. No mighty work. I don't care. That's not who I am. That's in the past season. You just wait. What's going to happen in this season is going to far surpass everything that happened in the past season. And I'm telling you right now, what's going to happen in this season for your life is going to surpass everything that happened in the past season. What God is doing now 
what God is doing in the earth. It is so exciting. It is so new. It is so fresh. Because when darkness does abound, God's light does so much more abound. And the church of the living God is going to get so bright that it captures the world's attention. Jesus in his fullness is coming to his church. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand our feet and let's worship the Lord. Father, we love you tonight so much. And Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. That we will esteem you, Lord. And the work in which you've created in us. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.